as most of us start out, my income was absolutely necessary for my business. Um, but as I poured time and resources into my staff to make them um, more profitable, I think it's allowed me to slowly step away over time. So I think it's taken me so long, just a hundred percent fear base, right? Like what's going to happen if I'm not behind the chair. I'm just a hairstylist. How am I supposed to be a photographer, a social media manager, a receptionist, a marketing manager, and an entrepreneur as well? Welcome to the Secret Life of a Hairstylist podcast, where we shatter the term, I'm just a hairstylist, and help inspire you behind the chair. I'm Samantha, and I'm a hairstylist, educator, and salon owner, and I want to help inspire you with tips from how to manage your social media, to how to sell retail, to how to continue a positive mindset, making you more money as a stylist. Every week, I will share my own experiences over the last 10 years, plus bring in amazing experts from all over the hair industry to share their secrets on success. So what do you say? Are you ready to challenge yourself, get inspired, and build your dream business behind the chair? Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to express gratitude to everybody for listening to this podcast. We hit over 5k downloads and it's so exciting to see the growth that this this podcast has taken and just like hearing everybody just send words of love and um, gratitude for this. And I I just really, truly, truly appreciate um, hearing everybody's feedback on this podcast. So I would love for you to uh, send me a DM on Instagram and just let me know how you are enjoying these episodes and if there's anything that you would like me to share on here or any topics that you feel stuck on. Um, Don't feel don't or don't hesitate to um, reach out at any time and and let me know. So I'm really excited to get into this week's episode. I'm not going to dive too much into it because I'm just going to hit play on it. Um, but I'm talking with Celine Dupuy, an educator and salon owner, and she's doing something really unique within her business right now. She's starting to step away from behind the chair. So I know this is a hot topic with a lot of salon owners who are really struggling to find that balance between working behind the chair and working on their business. So I hope that she gives some clarity and insight on how best to do that. So without further ado, I am going to introduce Celine Dupuy onto the podcast. Welcome back to this week's episode of Secret Life of a Hairstylist. I'm very excited to have Celine Dupuy here with me because she has been, I've known her for a number of years, um, have worked with her through Redkin, um, and she's been a mentor to me in so many different ways. And so I'm really excited to sit down with her and actually have a conversation because I know she has some new and exciting things that are happening in her life. And I think it's a really cool conversation to have because it's a little bit different than the regular conversation of going through the salon industry, but we're going to get into kind of like exiting a little bit of behind the chair. So behind the chair. So I'm excited to get into it. Welcome, Celine. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And I would love for you just to tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got into the industry um, and kind of where it led you today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I got into the industry in 2003 And it was kind of always a joke in my house, like my family growing up used to joke that I would either drop out of school and be a hairdresser, 
um, or I'd be a stripper. So one or the other, um, I became a hairdresser um, and they were really supportive. But I think when I told them I was actually going to do hair, my dad was very like adamant, like, I don't want you to struggle. We don't want you to be poor. We want you to be able to pay your bills. Cause I think that was like the idea of what a hairstylist was. So, but I always enjoyed um, being creative and doing that stuff, which is what led me to it. And then I think what gave me my drive was that I just kind of needed to prove my family wrong, that it was actually a lucrative career. And um, I mean, my family was very supportive and later I think recanted their original thoughts about um, the industry, but it just kind of became my mission to try and make this industry more profitable. Amazing. Sorry. I think there's a siren going off in the background. I don't know if we can pick (laughs) up on the mic, but um, so what do you think it is that like the key things are to making you profitable, profitable behind the chair? Well, I think a couple different things. I think, I mean, obviously education is huge. Um, you know, I've been an educator with Redkin for over 15 years, and I think that really changed my career uh, in knowing, you know, how to build a clientele, how to, um, I guess, expand my skill level and my knowledge level, but also like connecting to people is a huge part of it. But I think that hairdressers, we, and especially me, like I wasn't, I'm really ADHD. And I think that we are often misunderstood, um, growing up. And, um, I think a lot of people with ADHD and who suffer from that get, um, told that we're not smart enough. So I definitely went into the hair industry. Like my catchphrase, probably like many of you would be like, I'm bad at math. Like I'm not great at math. And I remember meeting you, Sam, and you were going to university. And I was like, who is this girl? This is amazing. Um, and I wish I had more of that, but I think until I was ready to let go of that excuse, I'm still not necessarily great at it, but I've learned, um, who to hire And I've learned to actually gain a better understanding of my finances and, um, you know, profit and really looking at ways that I can make my business profitable instead of using, you know, math as an excuse that, you know, I'm not a salesperson or I'm not, I'm just here for the creative because I mean, make no mistake, whether you're a chair renter or whether you work from someone in a for someone in a commission salon, you are 100% a salesperson and you can't really be that if you don't understand the numbers. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I mean, like being a salon or sorry, a salon owner, um, being, having gone to university, like that definitely helped me out in some ways, but a lot of it is really just like trial and error and, um, taking as much education you can outside of, uh, outside of the salon, um, and, and reaching out to other salon owners or hairstylists and, and finding out how they did things and kind of learning from other people, what, what might work and what might not work. Right. Um, so as much as yes, a, a university degree does help to an extent for owning a salon, um, being a hairstylist in general, there's just, you have to expand your knowledge out. And I mean, like, that's the great thing about, about the world now is everything's online. It's so accessible to find out all this education, um, and and continue to learning. And it's just really pushing yourself to like continue growing and and doing all of that. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so you own a salon and I think we actually like, you're going on how many years now? Uh, we've been open for six. Okay. So yeah, it was just before mine. That's what I thought. Um, and I know you had like a lot of really amazing hot tips. Like, I feel like you went into it, like knowing exactly what to do. Um, it might be different behind the scenes, but you had a lot of really, really good information and and knowledge, um, about what to do for opening a salon, um, and how to run it. Um, so what kind of encouraged you to open a salon? Like, how did you, um, decide that that was the next step for you? I think I always knew I was going to be a salon owner. My dad was a business owner. He owned a butcher shop. So, I mean, I grew up with an entrepreneur dad. So that was always just like a matter of when I would open a salon. Um, However, I mean, he passed away before I opened a salon, which would have been so handy because I kind of had to navigate it on my own. So um, I think just recognizing that I needed to align myself with the right resources before opening the salon. I think, um, you know, being an educator prepared me for a leadership role, but I think actually setting up a business is different. So, I mean, I aligned myself with um, the summit SBC, the summit business college um, to really make sure that I knew what I was doing when I opened. And then about three, two, three years ago, I started, um, with high performance salon Academy, which is a company based out of the States. And really it's, that's been like the best thing that's ever happened for my business. I think my biggest realization through that was that being an entrepreneur means creating jobs, not taking them. So if your business can't run without you behind the chair, then like something's wrong. You're not doing it right. And I don't think, you know, it takes time to get to that point. I don't think you can open a business and just, you know, hop out right away. But I mean, right now I'm down to two days a week and I'm taking up a space for an actual employee. And I don't think that's the point of being an entrepreneur. If you're a worker bee in your company, it's really hard to get the things done that you need to get done. So I feel like just making sure that I Um, you know, took the courses, took the training, aligned myself with the right people. And then um, really looking at our our salon runs on um, the profit first method, which um, I can definitely go. I'm sure you know all about the profit first method, but I'm actually taking out my first dividend and I bought myself a Vespa and I'm getting a motorcycle license uh, this summer. So I think just making these changes, um, once I allowed myself the time to dedicate myself to running my company instead of serving clients, um, everything kind of changed for me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I I've, I've looked into the profit first and know a little bit about it, but I would love for you to explain a little bit more about that. Cause I'm sure people are like, Ooh, what's that? <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely like, again, I am, I am no math wizard, but basic math does me well. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time in a business when it's like, well, how much is your profit? And I think it's still the same. I know pre COVID it was six to 8% is normal profit margins in the salon industry. Um, which is pretty low compared to other industries, but the profit first method, uh, Mike, Mark McCallowitz, I think is the author it's Mike or Mark, um, profit first, look it up. Um, sorry, I butchered your name, Mr. McCallowitz. Um, but typically profit in a business, whatever your income would be, you minus your expenses and whatever's left over is your profit. 
But I mean, if you're like me in my personal expenses, there's not much left afterward. So I think if we wait for that leftover money, there never is profit. So um, to really simplify and like dumb down the profit, your gross sales, you would decide what percentage of profit you want. And that is actually taken out first and put into an account. So my company, we started with just taking every two weeks. When we did payroll, we would take out 1% of our gross sales and put it in a profit account. And we don't touch that. Now we're up to 5%. My goal by next year is that it would be 10%. So instead of waiting to see what's left over, that's like the first thing that comes off the top. And then you budget your business around that. And just like when you get a car, like you get a new car, you're like, am I going to be able to afford the payment? You generally don't even notice it's gone. So by removing it first, you're actually making sure you protect your profits. So I've been doing it for about four months. And like I said, I just had like a $10,000 dividend check, which is my first ever um, dividend check. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, I just think it's it's genius. It just makes you be a lot more accountable. And there's lots of different ways to do it. The book also helps you figure out what percentage you should start at. But I mean, if you start at 1% and you put it in an account and you don't touch it and you need that money, you can take it back. Right. So it's like, it's scary at first, but it's totally doable. Yeah. It's like your rainy day fund. And I feel like that's so important to know for, for salon owners right now, especially with everything that has gone on. And I've talked to so many business owners in general who, when all of the shutdowns started happening, they're like, we have no rainy day fund. Like we don't have any extra money. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you not have any extra money? Like there has to be something just to like keep you to hold you off. Right. Um, and so one thing we had done in our business was we had, um, I think it was last year. I'm not the money person. Like James takes care of all the money. So I never pretend to know like everything about it. Um, but he shares his wisdom with me. (laughs) And so, um, when we paid off our loans last year, we just kept paying it in quotation marks, um, and putting it into a separate account because we had already created a budget around having those loans. So now we just put all of that extra money that would have gone to loans into a separate account. So that becomes our rainy day fund. Great. Yeah. Having those things. So then it's like, okay, it's like, we're kind of like paying it, but then we know exactly what we have our budget on, on top of that. So, um, just having those little things, within your business can make a huge um, difference. And then for a salon owner, yeah, you can get those little dividend checks every once in a while, give yourself a Christmas bonus and (laughs) makes a huge difference, right? Um, So you had started talking a little bit about um, now you're only working like two days behind the chair and you made this big announcement that you were going to be retiring behind the chair. So tell us a little bit about uh, what brought that decision, um, and, and kind of how you've been able to figure out that you can, um, sustain your business without working behind the chair. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been a progression and I think I've been very chicken with it. So, I mean, it's been something that I've probably been doing over the last three, four years. So, um, you know, the first year in business I was working, behind the chair five days a week. Um, and you know, I'm like everybody else, when you run a business, I definitely made some mistakes. Um, but I think 
as most of us start out, my income was absolutely necessary for my business. Um, but as I poured time and resources into my staff to make them um, more profitable, I think it's allowed me to slowly step away over time. So I think it's taken me so long, just a hundred percent fear base, right? Like what's going to happen if I'm not behind the chair. And I also think there's like that little bit of ego too. It's been interesting watching the shift. Like, I mean, your goal as an educator or an entrepreneur is to help people become better than you were better than you are. And it's, I think weird for hairstylists. Like, you know, I used to be the go-to person and, and like, I'm starting to not be that person anymore. So a lot of work on myself and being like, it's okay that I'm not like you, you made this Celine. This is like your goal is to not be that person. You want your staff to be better than you. So I think that, um, that's one of the biggest things, honestly, that hold people back. And then of course you have like probably 20% of your clients that think that nobody can do hair like you, which is actually something I think we create. And I don't think it's super healthy and I don't think it's necessary. So I mean, in our salon, we've tried really hard to create the environment. We, we kind of look at it like an open relationship. We encourage stylist swapping. So our staff is trained that, you know, people are people. We don't own them. They're not possessions. So if you're unhappy with a stylist or you've, you know, they just maybe aren't for you, they feel comfortable, or at least that's the environment we're trying to create. They feel comfortable seeing someone else. So I think by, by fostering that attitude, when it's time to shift your clients over, there's not as much of a panic because if you, you know, if your ego's big and you're making your clients think you're the only person that can do it, like good luck getting away, it's going to be, I think a lot more difficult. So I think for me, I came to that decision um, pandemic, not being able to travel anymore. I was able to get more done in my business, like all of us than I ever have. And I think I recognize that now when I'm behind the chair, I'm not really giving my clients the best experience anymore. Like it's really overwhelming. I, when I walk in the door and I'm, I'm trying to mix a color, I'm trying to focus on a client, but I'm the boss. So you have 15 people needing something from you. Sometimes things draw your attention away from your client. And I feel like it's, I'm either not giving my client the best, or I'm not giving my staff and my salon the best. So the days I'm behind the chair are actually really difficult because I just feel like I'm failing at all the jobs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I a hundred percent understand where you're coming from. Cause I mean, at one point I was working five days behind the chair and it became a lot of like, okay, I have to do this. And then you're remembering this and doing that. And and then your client's talking to you, but you still have like a checklist going off in your head and you're not fully listening to them. And then you pretend that, you know, exactly what they just said. Um, and so now I'm down to four days behind the chair. And, um, even just that one day makes a huge difference. And eventually I would like to go down to working three days a week. Um, but it, it really does start to take a toll on the relationship you have with your clients and not even your clients, but the relationship with your staff as well. Like, I feel like you start to um, focus on, you start to focus on one more than the other, and then the other loses, and then you start to focus on the other and then the other loses. And so it's kind of this like back and, and forth thing and trying to find that balance between it. 
Um, so how did you kind of like figure out, okay, now I can, um, start, I can start like dwindling back from, um, taking clients behind the chair, um, and just focusing on the business. Like, did you set a budget aside for that? Or, um, how did that kind of come into, into play? I mean, I feel like I should have set a budget for it. (laughs) Um, you know, and speaking with, in my business group, um, there are obviously every Wednesday I meet with six salon owners. Um, we call it a performance pack and we basically would like debrief the week, what we're working on, any challenges we have. And so some of the, um, the business owners that I'm grouped up with are going through the same thing. And they, in their mind, they have like their, their thing. Like when I have this many licensed stylists or when we're, our sales are here, I think for me, because it was so gradually, like, I mean, I'm only bringing in like three grand a month in services now. And, um, you know, for anybody who follows the summit level system, um, I mean, ours, we've deviated a little bit from it, but I mean, really, uh, at my level, I should be probably bringing in at least 12,000, um, a month. So I'm really not contributing very much to my business anymore. Um, so I just slowly, you know, I went from five days to four days. Um, then I dropped Saturdays. Um, and then I went to three days, then I went to two, then I dropped my evening and now I'm going to none. So to me, like, I just, I think had faith. I mean, I knew the numbers were there and I knew, the profit was there. Um, and I think the big thing is really making sure that, you know, as you're taking your schedule down, I knew when I dropped evenings, a few of my guests, I wouldn't be able to accommodate anymore. So it's making sure that, um, they feel comfortable. Like I've I decided basically like I use, I use Trello for my business. It's like a workflow thing. It's like the greatest thing that ever lived and literally put all my clients in, put all my staff in, move what client is going to what staff member. And we're emailing each of them individually with a personal recommendation and like just trying to make it as smooth as possible for them. So they don't just feel like they were hit in the face with an announcement, um, you know, they're being taken care of. So I think that's the biggest thing. If you're retaining, you know, 80% of those clients in your business, your numbers aren't going to go down, right? If they all leave your business, certainly your numbers are going to go down. They're just not going to be, that money's not in my column anymore. It's going to be um, building up my stylus. And I think if you're behind the chair constantly, you're essentially competing with your staff for clients where, I mean, your name can be bringing in people and feeding to your staff. So I closed my books for any new guests probably about two years ago, and I would still continue to get it. But when someone would call to book with me, we would redirect them to a different stylist. So I don't want to compete with my staff. I want to help them grow their businesses because if their businesses grow, my business is growing. Absolutely. I love that. And what was kind of the reaction from your clients? Were they, did they take it well? Or do you feel like they're like, Oh my God, <laughs> they're really surprisingly bad. well. And I think this is where like ego comes in. I think, you know, if you ever think of a job, you quit, you're like, what are they going to do without me? <laughs> I keep that place running. But the reality is, is we're all replaceable and we need to just get over ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you leave your job, your salon, it doesn't matter how much you do. They'll be fine without you. They're going to find someone else to do it. So like get off your high horse. And and it's the same thing when you leave the chair. I think I, I definitely um, 
my, the bigger reaction I think was from the salon community. I feel like they were like, it was like, I had a funeral happening. Like (laughs) I didn't say I was leaving the industry. I didn't say I was getting rid of my business. I just said, I'm not going to be behind the chair anymore. And I think my clients were like, you know what? Most of them just said like, we're really happy for you. I'm totally going to miss you, but I trust whoever you choose for me. I have like maybe one person that basically just like refused They're like, no, I'm going to keep coming. Um, I I don't want to change today. But I think for the most part, people were pretty supportive. That's awesome. So for for you being a color educator, and I mean, I think it's a fear for all stylists. I know it's a a fear for mine, of mine, um, taking, going down more and more days that um, I'm not, like, I I love doing hair. I, I love you know, creating new colors and experimenting and doing all these things. Um, and I think it's a fear that like, I would not be doing any of that anymore. And the creative, um, part of it that, which is why I got even into the industry in the first place. And so you're a color educator, which is even like more, you're doing uh, experimenting and, and creating all these big colors and, and sharing them with the world. So like, how do you feel about, not doing as much hair anymore? Like, is that, are you going to create an outlet for yourself to be able to, um, create these colors and be creative on that side as well? Yeah, that's a great, a great point. And I think, I mean, between just my fat, like I'm still going to be doing my family and my close friends. So I think that, I mean, by the time you make that list, I had a, like a keep list where I moved over all of my family members And then my, I maybe have five or six close friends. And I mean, that list is like 15 people long. I'm already like, holy crap, that's like two days a month right there. (laughs) So I feel like I'm definitely, I mean, it's not like I'm never going to touch a head of hair again, but I think that, I just think that like, if your passion is more in doing hair than growing people that you'd be a great person maybe to have a partner in a salon. But I think that over time, my passion has changed. Um, you know, I, I love education, but I think the idea of teaching someone a color placement to me is not as valuable anymore as maybe teaching a class on branding and helping you grow your business. So I think that, um, you know, when you teach a class and you show someone a placement, so absolutely there are like life-changing things that they take away from that. Um, things that make their business easier that they can use every day behind the chair. But I, I think the most effect is when you teach people and you empower people to run their business, create boundaries, um, and just do better every day. So, I feel like, okay about that. I still feel like I'll a hundred percent be able to teach color placement, but right now I'm way more interested in, um, I mean, I've been teaching branding and social media, um, for a while. I'm in the process of, um, becoming a business mentor. And I think the last, you know, two years, like have been very much the classes that I'm taking personally are things like little voice mastery with Blair Singer and master facilitator and, um, 
And even like going through, um, there's an advanced leadership center in Texas, um, Blair Singer would, and Robert Kiyosaki would go through something called processing. And I just took a course on learning how to process people. Um, so it's more like the leadership stuff that I'm really interested in right now. So I think over time, that's just where my passion has started to evolve. I'm more passionate about business and helping people become profitable um, because you can learn a color placement, but if you don't know how to run your business in the end, what's more, what's they're both important, but what's more valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I 100% I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the route that I'm starting to take to is, is getting more into the business side of things and growing and, and, and building your confidence behind the chair. And I think those are super, super, super valuable because there's, there's tons and tons of education out there on color placements and color theory and all of that. But, um, to really get down to the nitty gritty of, of building your business, um, that's like a whole other ball game on its own. So, um, I'm very excited to see all of the classes that you're going to be coming up with. Um, yeah, like, so what's, what's next for you other than like teaching that class and kind of where are you, um, what are you doing with your weeks now? <laughs> well, again, it's interesting. Cause I think the world thinks when you start stopping behind the chair that you're like, not that you're not working anymore. Um, and we all know that's not true. I think for small businesses, especially like I've made sure to set up my organization, um, like I've set it up very strategically. Um, I think it's important to have the right people in place. So like I have a team manager, I have an education manager, I have a salon coordinator. So I think that if as an owner, if you're caught up doing all the things, you're, you're not really hitting the nail on the head. My passion lies with branding my company. So I do, of course, all of our social media. Um, I'm doing, I do all of our marketing as well. Like it's great to think, well, why don't you hire someone for that? But I mean, most salons are small businesses. And right now, like I'd rather not put, you know, five, $600 a month into somebody somebody else doing that for me when I'm able to do it again, if that wasn't your strength, you may need to go there. But so that's kind of my main focus with the business. But I also, I mean, I really love creating systems and procedures and, and I mean, we have a lot of, I think I, I, the first salon I ever worked at had nothing. I actually wrote the salon handbook as like a stylist. I think that people crave structure and it's not about creating rules, but it's about creating tangible procedures so that your business can run consistently and smoothly. So that stuff never ends. The training I think never ends. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like, it doesn't matter if you spend 10 hours a week working in your business or 40, like if you're time management and you're getting what you need to get done. Um, I think it doesn't really matter. My, I think my job now, when I come into the salon is going to be to create connections with my staff and with the clients And I think to provide training um, for my staff, I think more than ever, it's not just about technical skills anymore. I think that um, 
like we're adding in, um, all sorts of training on, you know, dealing with uncomfortable conversations. That was our latest training, like creating a script and like actually training our staff on how to set boundaries, um, how to redirect conversation, um, and how to like deal with those triggering situations without running in the back room and crying. I think there's a huge mental health aspect that we're needing to train our staffs in. Um, you know, if you're brand new, you're, it's like mentally exhausting because your book is empty. So I'm finding my brand new staff, they're having challenges um, mentally in that capacity. Whereas the ones who are really busy are having ment mentally challenging days with like physical fatigue. And so it's like, we're dealing with more than just coming in and doing hair. We're like teaching these stylists how to set boundaries and, and really create their business behind the chair, because typically the hair industry has been filled with a bunch of people pleasers. So it's like, you come in, the client's always right. You make them happy. You do your job, you go home, you don't complain. And I think those days are gone. And I think it's, um, it's a lot to like recreate the atmosphere to not be conducive to that. It's so true. And I love like hearing all the conversations that are happening now around that. And I know I've been like very active on clubhouse and, and different, um, forums like that. And just the, the conversations that are happening around boundaries and about around, um, different ways of structuring your business. There's, there's so, so much right now. And I love hearing these conversations because I think it's so needed. Um, and especially at a time like now where, we're so aware of it, um, that we, and, and I mean, our, yeah, our mental health has taken a huge toll throughout the last couple of years. And so, um, to be able to really have these conversations and learn more about it and, and grow ourselves is so, so, so important. Um, so thank you so much for coming on here with me, Celine, and talking about this. Um, I was, when I, when I saw that you were, you had posted that you were retiring from behind the chair, I was like, Oh, we need to have a conversation about this and, and get your perspective because as salon owners there are times where we might have to um or we might just have to you know cut down in half our days and and focus more on the business side of things so um and i know it can be really scary and nerve-wracking and we don't know how to do it so to be able to talk to somebody who is doing it is awesome um so thank you so much for coming on here um and how can people find you to learn more about the programs that you offer um and 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 uh, have, you know, ask you questions. <laughs> uh, so through my website, it's www.celinedupuy.com. Um, as well on Instagram, I have, you know, my links to everything there. My Instagram name is just Celine Dupuy. Um, and you can find me there. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you have a great rest of the day and good luck with everything that's happening in your life. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Secret Life of a Hairstylist. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would love if you could leave a five-star review in the comments below and share it with your friends so that we can keep this podcast going. I would love for you to share some love on social media and send me a message and just let me know if there's anything you would like discussed on this podcast so that I can help you and everybody else grow to their full potential. So... Enjoy the rest of the day and we will see you on next week's episode.